Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Customer Strategy Podcast. My name is Nils Vinya, and today I'm talking with Jennifer Chang. And Jennifer is the Director of Customer Success at Yup. And Yup has a math tutoring solution to help students thrive. And Jennifer and I got into an interesting conversation when it comes to one of the challenges that she was facing around the onboarding of new employees in their company. One of the most important things that Yup does is infuse a very high level of empathy around the customer situation into every new person that comes into the organization and they have a very strong culture centered around this empathy for their customers. And Jennifer, up to this point, has been the sole person responsible for largely driving this with every new employee and she's done this as by spending one-on-one time with each new person. And this has worked really well. However, the point at which the company is now is growing and scaling and Jennifer is no longer able to spend this one-on-one time with each new person. So we had to look at alternative ways to infuse the same level of empathy and understanding for the customer, but do it in a scalable manner. And that's what we discussed and came to a great, great solution too that I think you're really gonna enjoy. So here we go. Hello, Jennifer. Welcome to the Customer Strategy Podcast. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. How are you doing today? Oh, my pleasure. I'm doing fantastic. Really excited to get to connect with you. Um, and you are currently the Director of Customer Success at Yup. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Tell, tell me a little bit about Yup and uh, so we can have a little context for our conversation here today. Sure. So Yup is a 24-7 on-demand math tutoring app. We serve um, parents, students, teachers, and schools um, to make sure that they have the most expert support possible at any time of the day. Um, so it's like 9 p.m., 9 a.m. We got. Uh, we know that math is hard at all hours, so we got you. Uh, and yeah, so I've been leading the customer success team for about uh, three, four, five years now, and it's been a really great journey. And we're a startup, um, Series A, uh, and we're rapidly growing. So it's a really exciting time. Wow. That, that absolutely is. Okay. Exciting. I want to note that you made it, um, you guys were able to make 24 seven math and tutoring exciting times, (laughs) which is cool. If you, if you ask that to, uh, one of my kids, I'd probably get a different answer, but, um, I appreciate, (laughs) totally appreciate the, the capabilities you're given to the parents and students and teachers. Uh, love the the mission that you're on and, and what you're doing. Now, you also wrote a book about customer success, right? I did. Um, yeah, so it's called The Startup's Guide to Customer Success. It, this entire journey that I've had um, building the customer success team here at Yup really inspired me to write this book. At the very beginning, I was so overwhelmed by all the resources that are out there. Uh, and so and also, I didn't have a budget. I didn't have a team. So hearing all these resources say, oh, yeah, you just get your team of 10 CSMs to just reach out to everybody. I was just so confused. I didn't know what to do. So I wanted to provide this resource for all startups out there, regardless if you're the head of customer success or not, CEOs, VP uh, of marketing, all alike. I think this is such a great resource um, to kind of get the ball rolling to make sure we're championing our customers since day one and day zero. So that's a little bit about my book. Uh, I actually include a lot of your content. Thank you so much. It, it's absolutely amazing. Uh, uh, yeah, and you can also find it on Amazon. We have the ebook on Amazon as well as the paperback. It's a really great time. Fantastic. That's so cool. And uh, say the name of the book again. It's called The Startup's Guide to Customer Success. Perfect. So now everybody knows exactly where to go to get it down. A bunch of my content in there. Thank you very much for your your kind words on it. And you know that was ultimately the goal in creating all of this was to help people like yourself in that situation, building, growing, figuring out what's the right, what are the right pieces to put in place, and when are they most appropriate. So yeah. thank you so much for incorporating that. Um, awesome, awesome. All right, and also kudos to you know building. Writing a book, one, is not easy, but two, doing it on top of uh, running an early stage customer success team at a growing company and doing that with no resources. So my hat goes off to you for getting all that done. (laughs) Appreciate it. (laughs) All right, Jennifer. So when it comes to your customer strategy, what is the single biggest challenge, question, or frustration that you've been struggling with lately? Great question. And I think 
every single stage, there's a new challenge. And right now, uh, we kind of alluded to it earlier, my team is rapidly growing. Not only my customer success team, but their overall um, team here at Yup. Recently, for example, we just hired a recruiter. I believe that every single person should be a champion of the customer, um, regardless of what role they are in. However, now that my bandwidth is starting getting smaller and smaller and their team is expanding, I can no longer necessarily sit down one-on-one, you know, spend two hours with every single new hire to tell them a little bit more about the customer. Uh, but so what are your kind of, I would love your take and your insights on how do you onboard new hires to make sure that they are cha- uh, champions of the customer, even if that is not, if, even if they're not in a customer facing role. Good. Oh man, this is a juicy topic. One of my favorites, because if you can't onboard, you can't hire and you can't yeah. onboard the whatever you get to this team size just isn't going to work period right so yeah. let me tell me a little bit about what you have done up to this point so you've had a little bit more bandwidth in the past and when things are at a smaller size company wise customers wise there's a little bit more flexibility to do things in a um, very personal manner right you mentioned sitting mm-hmm. down for a couple hours every new person tell me what were what was the, what were the tactics that you used up to this point that enabled you to instill that customer success philosophy and mindset into the new hires? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of things that we tried. Of course, you have that one-on-one, you know, let's go on a walk, let me tell you more about the customer, let me show you some of our calls that we've had with parents or schools. Um, some of the more high-touch things that we did was we actually brought new hires uh, and brought other coworkers straight to the to customers themselves and to join us in the room which was a very interesting experience. Uh, wow. So that's that, those are some of the things that we do. And they absolutely love that, right? It, it's such a great experience. However, it does take a lot of time, you know, to travel mm-hmm. there, um, to train them to know what to say and uh, to make sure that they feel prepared to be in that room. Uh, now that we're getting bigger and bigger, what I've tried is kind of to document as much as possible, whether that is kind of create this database of all the parent calls that we've had, for example, so they can choose which ones to listen to. We also, Mm. we use Slack and all of our, we have a bunch of different Slack channels for people to read so they can learn about, you know, why people leave, why people love us. And that is part of their onboarding to read through it. Mm. Um, And I think that's more or less it. We kind of keep that, you know, one hour coffee chats there, but overall, I'm thinking, I'm like, wow, we're hiring more and more people. We got like 10 job recs. Our team is 30 right now, by the way. We have 10 job yeah. recs out there and that's going to grow and grow and grow. So try to figure this out. <laughs> yeah, good. This is a good good problem to have that a lot of other people and myself included have also faced. And uh, we'll dig into some, some strategies and solutions and ways to get you in a more uh, systematic fashion to be able to deliver this and ensure that everybody has the right mindset. Um, so... In the past, up till now, you've been able to spend a fair amount of time with these new hires in the form of one-on-ones, sitting down, coffee chats, walk and talks, whatever you like, um, showing, uh, demonstrating calls, like having them watch calls, recorded calls, and even bringing them live to customers. I mean, I can't imagine much more impactful thing in the early days <laughs> of, a, uh, of, a, of a customer success team member than getting to see what it's like firsthand in the form of the customers. But now... <clears throat> excuse me at the at this point today there's with you know 30 people on the team as a whole and growing fast with 10 open recs you just don't have the bandwidth to do all those things did i capture that correctly yeah and i think it's what one layer deeper if you don't mind i think mm-hmm. it's not only the customer facing people that would love to have this with but also the people who are not customer facing you know the engineers um people ops marketing I would love to also bring them along in this journey because I think it really is a team effort to make sure that we are championing the customer at all times. That's a really great point. Um, You can't have a customer success philosophy inside of an organization, especially a fast-growing one, if it only lives within a department. Like it just (laughs) just will not work, right? And in order to be truly successful, which is what you champion and um, you know what your book was all about, was about having this philosophy as a whole across the entire org. Um, that's why it was a startup's guide to customer success, not a customer success department's guide to customer success. <laughs> right? So um, tell me a little bit about that from the leadership point of view and your company as a whole at Yup. Um, you know, 
what level is is customer success as a philosophy truly lived, breathed, adopted? How, how ingrained is everybody in this? Yeah, I mean, one of our, that's a great question. And this is something I actually go over in the book a little bit. At the very beginning, it was not that much. Uh, we okay. cared about our customers, but it was a lot more, you know, we wanted to see growth and we want to make sure that our product market fit and all you know, the startup buzzwords. But now I'm very happy to say that I think about three years ago this happened. We actually now have a company value. So, you know, you have your company values, like you want to, uh, you want to collaborate effectively or something like that. One of ours is actually putting our families first. And mm. a lot of that actually came from the work that our customer success team did of kind of, really beating that customer drum and helping others remember that, hey, you know that feature that you're working on? You know what would be really great to help you decide? Actually hearing from the customers about what they would like. So it's little things here and there that has really brought this value to the forefront of the company. So I'm really excited that people here now, everyone cares so much about the customer mm. and is you can see that in their day-to-day -day work, whether that's creating a spec for the product manager, creating new ads, um, basically the entire customer journey, there's always someone thinking about them, which is wow, what you want. That, <laughs> uh, okay. That, that's really, I mean, that's wonderful to hear. And I'm with you a hundred percent. I mean, I've been in those situations myself too, where conceptually everybody says, yeah, yeah. The customer is quote unquote, the most important, but the reality is oftentimes a little bit different. Want growth, want other things. There's a million different directions and a million different people are pulled in a million different ways, but um, you mentioned in the beginning how it was more like that, and that now you guys have transformed. And you know, as one of the artifacts of that is that this company value of putting your families first, which I really like the way you're saying that because it's so specific to you, right? You serve yeah. families. You don't serve any. It's not a generic term. It's not a you know uh, something that could get lost in translation. It's literally the families that you serve. So I really like that you put that uh, very very specifically in there. Um, so. Give me a sense for what the transformation timeline was for this, like from that not much really focus on truly understanding and, and doing everything for the customer to putting families first and having that as a core value. Was this a year, three years, five years? What was it? I would say it's about a year. Um, mm -hmm. I it, was, it started around when the customer success team was first founded. I, I asked them, okay, I want a customer success team. This is why I would like a customer success team. And they go, I wanted it to, you know, improve um improve our churn numbers as well as you know decrease uh decrease churn increase retention yeah. uh, also just to delight create a delightful customer experience throughout who doesn't want that and then they told me no you're you're focused on referrals mm. and i'm like hmm that's interesting that doesn't make a whole lot of sense if my customers are not happy right now why would they refer and but the thing is there's a lot of research there's a lot of resources out there that say uh, the money maker of the customer success thing is referrals or advocacy or whatever you like to call it. And I'm like, hold up, guys, we need to take a step back. And so it was a lot of back and forth for, I would say, three months or so before I came to them with an analysis saying, here are our retention numbers, here are our churn numbers, here's a, that's the a quantitative data, here's the qualitative data, here's what I'm seeing on the ground. And that's when the gears started turning, realizing like, hey, okay, maybe we need to change the customer success charter to focus on retention or customer experience. Mm -hmm. And slowly and slowly, I would say over a year, and that's when the value um, came up on the wall. That's really, oh, that's that's fantastic. And and just, you know, kudos to you and the team for working, doing the, you know, having the tough conversations to work through that. I know that is not always a, an easy process. Uh, it does not go perfectly seamlessly, which is why it doesn't happen overnight, right? I've been personally yeah. involved in that situation with just about every client I've ever worked with. <laughs> where there's either some problem or some external thing that seems to be the driving force. But when you break it down, the ultimate goal is the organization, right? The renewals and the expansion mm -hmm. and the referrals and the advocacy and all that. They're just byproducts. They're byproducts of serving your, putting your families first, right? Which exactly. is a really, it's a mindset shift, but I really like that, that you keyed in on that. So, you know, for those listening who are going through this, this is not an overnight thing, you know, changing one, changing a culture doesn't happen overnight, but two, um, you know, making the transformation on the, to the point where the customers actually feel it and the internal team feels it takes time, but it takes relentless discipline and persistence as you've demonstrated in order to do that. 
Definitely, definitely. And what I'm finding right about now, which kind of goes into the question or discussion topic today, is that a lot of people at, our comp- at my company have seen that transformation, have seen kind of the customer success department's growth mm-hmm. in going from being a little bit more, a little bit more reactive to something mm-hmm. a lot more proactive. And they can actually appreciate that. But now if someone's completely new, it's a little harder for them to appreciate that or to fully understand, you know, what, like, how does, what does it actually mean to cut, to champion the customer here at Yup? And how is that different possibly from their previous company? Mm. Good. That's, that's a, that's a really good point and something we need to incorporate into this onboarding program because it's uh, one of the greatest assets that any organization has is its ability to tell stories, right? Stories specifically, mm-hmm. not yes. only to its customers and like the, you know, potential promise of what it's like to work with them, but to what it was like when the company was beginning and what it was like um, in that growth stage and in those uncomfortable, awkward teenage years before we got to this <laughs> place where we actually had answers to a lot of these questions, you know, and that, um, you know, that will be a key piece that, that we can string into this onboarding program to, you know, to, to keep that story alive because that's what's going to help instill it just like it did in the past with the actual team members, with everybody in the future. Awesome. Okay, cool. All right. So let's, let's go la- a couple layers deeper in terms of um, as it stands just today, just matter of fact, just exactly what exists today when a new person comes on board Let's just focus on the CS team first, and then we'll talk about the other members sure. of the company. So for the CS team, if a new member comes on board, what is the program that, how does it happen today? What happens? Yeah, yeah. so I put them through uh, what I call a deliberately intense onboarding, deliberately Good. because we want to show them that you know there's a lot to do, but also that... Uh, and. And make a very deliberate lots of meetings with other people. So not only within the CS team, but also meeting with people from marketing, people from sales, people from mm-hmm. product and engineering, so that they get a full view of the whole Yup um, headquarter ecosystem. And also to just to meet people and meet your coworkers. Who doesn't love that? Of <laughs> and then of course there's a lot of different documents. I try to make it as hands-on as possible for my own team. For the customer success team, so for example, we do mock calls. This is actually something I took from sales. Um, and sales does all the, all the time all these mock calls where you first create a script, then you kind of get comfortable with the script, then you add some ob- objections, and then you, you get comfortable with handling those objections. So that's kind of the high level of how you work through some mock calls. So I put all of my new hires through kind of the mock call process, sometimes with a salesperson, which actually makes it kind of fun. And then I also have them working on some of the data side. This is also just to get them a little bit more acquainted on all different sides of the CS spectrum. And on the data side, they dive into some of the trends. And this is where they learn a lot about like what's going on, where can they help, where, what are some of the big meaty items that low-hanging fruit, as we call them, um, that we can start attacking. And more or less, with those two things, combined with all the meetings and all the structure around it, is kind of the onboarding process for my CS team. And then they start going, diving into the projects, whether that's assigning to certain accounts or going through tickets or any of that stuff. Good. <clears throat> that sounds like a, a wonderful starting point for where you are and what you've been able to build to this point and great jumping off point for us to design the next stage. How long yeah. does it take for somebody to go from that day one of getting hired to the point where you and the team are comfortable assigning them accounts and getting them into the flow? One day. I, I think that we've, what we've seen here is um, people love just diving in and trying new things and just trying it for themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the past, I used to play with um, make, waiting a week before they actually start diving in. And now I have the luxury to say, hey, no, we have one day because now I have a bigger team. So they know necessarily need to rely on me for questions uh, or answers they can go ahead and ask their teammates of you know what do i do with this account or can you coach me on this real quick and therefore i can make it one day i think i do have that luxury of having that larger team this Mm -hmm. is definitely something i didn't have before um 
But so, yeah, there is the, some shadowing on day zero, though. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can imagine. Um, so all the calls you were talking about with marketing and sales and product and engineering and doing those mock calls and then the data team and all that stuff. What's the, is that just an ongoing piece or is that in a cons, you know kind of a concerted effort in the first three, four weeks or something like that? Yeah. So all of that stuff is within the first eight days. Okay. Um, I make it eight because sometimes if you end the onboarding on like a Friday, most mm-hmm. people come on a Monday. I like to end it on a Wednesday. So, cause if you end it on the Friday, people go off on the weekend and they kind of forgot. Good point. That's <laughs> so ending it on the Wednesday, got Thursday and Fridays are usually a little lighter days. So that helps. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the deliberately intense onboarding lasts for eight days, but they do- start diving into accounts on day two. Okay. Yeah. Day wow. one, day cool. two. That's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, that is a super speedy time to, you know, time to get in front of customers, which is, which is great. Um, (laughs) Yeah. How about from a documentation and just operational perspective? There's all these things that have to happen for this new person to go through in those first eight days. And then of course beyond, but really in those first eight days, is this something you have very detailed notes about? This is step one, step two, step three, step four. Is it a little bit looser? Is it driven by the individual and the team? How's it work? Yeah, we have pretty thorough documentation about, you know, step one, step two, step three. I think we're still, what's fun and something that I've gotten feedback on is that our playbooks continue to iterate as we continue to have new ideas and change strategies. And because we're in education, we're in education, um, there's seasonality issues, you know, people who are studying for finals is very different to talk to them versus people who are just, you just got their syllabus. Um, (laughs) so because our playbook continuously evolves, it is really hard for them to sometimes latch on day one, but it's good for them to really get immersed in the Mm -hmm. playbook and better understand, okay, this is the problem that we're seeing. This is why we have this and ask those questions earlier on than a week later. Okay. Got it. Good. So you have very solid documentation. You have clearly written down playbooks across the board from all the different scenarios that you and the team have experienced to this point. You've got an intense eight days, deliberately intense eight days (laughs) to get people ramped up to speed and really kind of feeling comfortable in front of a customer or as close to it as possible. So I'm curious with that setup and where you are now, where is it breaking down? I think it's it's not necessarily breaking down too much internally and inside the customer success team, because whenever they have a question, I am literally right there. I sit in the same pod as them. Mm -hmm. Um, They just peek right over. But at the same time, it's trying to make sure that they are, um, if they're talking to other departments or anything like that, that everyone is also on the same page. So Uh for example, a lot of people, didn't realize that we were doing mock calls and we were practicing all this stuff. Then they're like, oh, wait, what are you guys doing? Like, is was that an actual parent call or was that an actual student call? And then it's harder to align being like, oh, no, this is what we're doing on that side. Um, but I think in terms of like a rapidly expanding team, a lot of it has to do with um, probably ex- not CS, um, not CS hires Got in the it. sense that I, they, I'm not necessarily nearby because I'm mm-hmm. not in their pod, but yeah. so they can, they're full. We have like an open door policy. We have an open floor plan, but we have metaphorical doors that are open. Uh, so they can come by and like slack me or let me know if they have any questions, but it's a little bit harder because you do have that friction. You're not meeting with me all the time. So trying to figure out how do you kind of recreate that experience so that you learn more about the customer and that you are mm. incentivized to without me actually checking in every single once a day for an hour or something like that. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. And coming to the table with a more prescriptive approach um, could certainly help in those non-CS team members, as opposed to the, if you have questions, you can ask me, but the reality is nobody ever has questions until you point (laughs) out something else, um, a problem or something like that. So, okay. So let's, so up to this point, again, coming back, looking backwards, you know, how have you orchestrated other people in the company, non-CS, being aligned with the mindset, the right thinking, the customer first, et cetera? Yeah, we've been providing, you know, a bank of documentation um, for them to read. But as we all say, you know, 
not everyone reads everything. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, trying to figure out better ways of either making an activity, but even if we make an activity, it's hard for us to either police, not police it, but like um, let them give them feedback on the activity because that takes time. Um, Asking them to just like write down their questions and then we'll answer them in a one-on-one. It's also like a little bit flimsy of an ask. So -hmm. trying to figure out, we just give them, we just kind of dump a bunch of information on them. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. different, different, uh, media types so we got some emails we got some calls we got some photos of screenshots of kind of what has broken down in the past but sometimes it's not that doesn't tell the full story so trying to figure out how do you tell a better story in a more concise way where they actually get it (laughs) okay perfect so today you're dumping a bunch of information on them and i know Everybody out there listening has probably experienced that. I certainly have, <laughs> or um, or maybe is is doing that as well. So, totally, you know, fair for exactly the point at which you are at today, which is again a great thing for us to jump off to. So, if you were, if I were to ask you, Jennifer, you have a new hire on the well, the recruiting team. Let's take that. We, we hired yeah. a recruiter just now. Okay. So, if you were to, if I were to ask you. Jennifer, we have a new recruiting hire, and I need to get that recruiting hire up to speed on the, you know, kind of philosophy of customer success here at Yup, the mindset, you know, where this came from and why it's important so that they are absolutely thinking about the right thing when they talk to new potential hires that they're going to go out to the market because they're really our front, our first interaction with Yup, right? Our prospective mm-hmm. employee. Yeah. What would you say are the top three things, only three, what would be the top three things that person absolutely 100% would have to understand in order to do their job more effectively and completely aligned with the company's philosophy? Wow, that's a great question. So I think the first one that comes to mind, and I can even boil it down to one because this one's so much more important than all the other ones that I can think of, is the role of empathy in, in, in our everyday work, Right. All of our customers are human. They are going through a lot of emotions right now, especially you can think about back in math class, back in high school, math wasn't hard. All of our students are probably pretty stressed out, probably pretty frustrated with the calculus problem that they have right in front of them, not fully understanding why they don't understand it. Maybe their mom wasn't able to help them. Maybe the teacher's not very good. Maybe they had a substitute that day, who knows? And they have, they also have to finish their history paper and their English homework. And it's just this one problem in math and they have a test tomorrow. Imagine all those emotions. That's what happens. Uh, and then they email us. So we can't look at this one email and think, oh, you know, let's just answer their email real quickly. Like it was such an easy issue. No, we had to kind of put ourselves in their shoes mm-hmm. and understand like what state are they in? Are they stressed out? Are they frustrated? And respond and meeting them where they are at. And this is the same to go for parents. Sometimes we have parents who say, you know, this. Uh, if if my kid gets an A plus on this test, then I'll be over the moon because it'll mean they'll go to some great college. And we're like, okay, slow, like hold your horses. Like I love this excitement and meeting the parent at that same excitement level, without but also still managing expectations. As you know, customer success is all about managing expectations. And also kind of delighting them throughout that process. So that's all to say that when, for us, when it comes to the very first thing that people need to know when they come in is that all of our students and our parents and teachers are human and we need to recognize the emotion um, in our product and in all the communications that we have with them. Love that. Love that. Um, that is, that's powerful. I mean, that description that you gave right there about, you know, the student in trying to struggle to finish a problem to get ready for a test tomorrow in the midst of 10 other requests, <laughs> yeah. right? Is, is, is perfect. I mean, it took me right to that spot. Like I could feel back in uh, high school times when I had some of that pressure on myself, would have loved some access to, uh, to your service way back then, but <laughs> the whole world didn't exist at that point. Um, okay. So students, parents and teachers, meeting them where they are. So I'm curious, like, you know, how we could kind of take the 80-20 approach here, because you've gone the approach of having lots of information in a variety of different formats, right? Which has been Mm -hmm. great and covered a lot of bases. But 
when we really boil it down, you know, there's one thing that you said we absolutely 100% have to instill in the mindset of every single new hire. If we don't do this, all the rest of it is irrelevant, right? Because if you can't grab that empathy piece and you can't understand and put yourself in the shoes of your parents, uh, students, or teachers, and if you can't meet them where they're at, the rest of how we operate as an organization doesn't make sense, and you probably won't last here very long either, right? Yeah, it'd be much so harder wonder, to do their job. Yeah, right. Oh, it'd be incredibly difficult, and it'd be really hard to be around a group of people who love to do nothing but that and serve <laughs> the customer because you're just gonna, you know, you have a different different view set, and that's totally fine. Nothing nothing wrong with that, but it's just not the right fit. So I'm wondering if you would think of that empathy piece, and we think about this, um, you know, from a onboarding perspective there's there's an instilling piece and then there's a you know some kind of measure not measurement but did the message hit question Mm -hmm. right um when you think about the instilling piece what would be the simplest way that you could think about that would instill that exact kind of story and scenario and what you kind of summarize there really really well what would be the most effective way to capture that and share that with the new hire? I think the easiest way for us is to tell a story and to show to show them either a call if they are an audio person or show them a parent email or a student email if they're that or show them a Yelp session um, and to ask them some following, like just following questions. I think this is very like activity based. So I'm mm-hmm. trying to figure out a better way of, I think it goes to your second point, like how do you measure it? Um, but how we've been doing it is kind of putting them in their shoes like, hey, okay, so you've seen this either request, email, call, what do you think? And they'd be like, oh, I think, you know, they may be a little frustrated or I think we should probably add this new feature. And then I I usually follow up with, okay, what do you think the student is feeling right now? Or what do you think the parent is feeling right now? Why do you think that way? Um, And kind of creating that dialogue to show that, you know, it takes time to better understand some of our customers. It also helps, like, this is a side note, but it also helps to have um, create empathy for the customer success team on what all the things that we do mm-hmm. um, to really you know, get some reasons of like maybe why is someone churning or why is someone having this issue or why does someone love us so much? Like, we have to ask a lot of these follow-up questions pretty often. <laughs> um but yeah, so kind of creating that dialogue, showing them some things and just asking them, hey, what do you think? Where do you think the student is at? And how can we help match that? <laughs> Good. Okay. I like that. I like that structure and had an idea there as as you pull this together that in a systemized way, because you're going to be growing in, in this can't be done in just an ad hoc one-on-one or whatever way. There's some kind of system that has to be put in place here. So um as you said there, the first thing was telling a story. So mm, the first piece yeah. is before we even assess, uh, before we ask them what they think, we have to like give them the answer essentially from our point of view. Now we have the benefit and the drawback at the same time of having all this context. You've been a yep for many years, right? You've lived there, <laughs> you you know, drove the, the shift in culture to focus on this. And so has everybody else in your organization. They've all been part of it. But now you got this brand new person. We got to put ourselves back in the mindset of like, I don't know anything. Like I'm coming in cold. I'm an expert in my (laughs) field. I'm a great recruiter, but I have an interest in this space, but I don't have any context that anybody else does. So in order to bridge that context gap first, I think we had to tell a story. And I'd be willing to bet that there are a couple of either one or maybe two really key pivotal stories that um, you as a company and as a culture kind of have from a customer perspective, people who have either gone from one place to the next or experienced this challenge and then succeeded to here. Is that, is that fair assumption? Yeah. Yeah. We definitely do have those. Good. Okay. So I would say that you could take one of those stories and break it down into a consumable piece that's like, uh, I mean, think of it like the indoctrination. It's not the greatest word, but it is essentially, (laughs) we're trying to train them to think like everybody else who has already been thinking like this for years, right? And that's a hard thing Mm -hmm. to do, but the most, the quickest way to get there is going to be through story. 
And depending on the um, learning type of the individual, that may be better received as an auditory you know, listening piece, which you could do is certainly do a recording of telling the entire story. It might be a video so they could visually see expressions on your face as you told what the what the parents and what the students were really going through and in, in happening. Or it might be written and it might be a written version of that exact same story. So you could take one story and mm-hmm. create three different formats and know that probably one of those formats would hit with the individual and you could always ask them, hey, you know, how do you learn best? Auditory, you know, reading mm-hmm. or visual. Kinesthetic, I don't think applies quite as much here because there's a lot <laughs> that, that goes into, there's a lot of kinesthetic feeling in each of these. Um, but yep. one of those is going to be more dominant and they'll naturally gravitate. Oh, I'd much rather listen to this like in a podcast type format. And you could just tell the story, mm-hmm. right? And, and literally detail, like this is what the students were going through and this is what the parents were going through. And this is what our CS team was going through. And this is what the company was going through and tell it from everybody's different angle. And that could serve as the seed for that person to begin to bridge that empathy gap and really understand what empathy means inside of young. Because the challenge is everybody has a different definition of empathy until they come to work for you or yup as a whole. And then they got to understand what does empathy mean here? Because your company might mean something different than another company. And that's totally fine. So let's, so if you were to zero in on one story, right, I'd be willing to bet that you could create an incredibly powerful experience through that one, telling that one story, again, in three different mediums that could be shared with that individual, then you mm-hmm. could have some kind of a, um, some kind of a fun, uh, activity doesn't, it can be done asynchronously. It's not, doesn't have to be one-on-one or anything like that. But that activity could, it's like a, it's just a role play scenario, right? Mm-hmm. Here's the new situation. Boom. And just take something from one of the many situations you're involved with every day. Okay. Here's the context. Here's this, here's this. Based on mm-hmm. this, what do you understand about this situation and see what they respond with? You know, it's kind of like a, it's not a test so much as it is like just helping to develop the skill. And yeah. after they respond, you can say, that's great. Awesome feedback. Listen, here's like yours answer is, is really good and right on. Here's some additional points we also think would apply so that they can see what the delta is between their response and like the ideal scenario. Um, I'm curious, what do you think about that kind of approach to story? And then some scenario based example of, of how to uh, how to assess how much they really understood. Yeah, I think that's fun. I think one of the things that first come, came up to my mind was we have a lot of different, as everyone does, we have personas. And what works for one persona doesn't work for another persona. So our easiest example in my industry is that sometimes we have a student who is an A or a B student. They're doing very well in class. They will use Yelp for a different reason than someone who is maybe, you know, C or D. And those different types of emotions are very different. So by the same time, reflecting on my own answer, it makes me think like, well, is that the, the, the objective of the activity is not necessarily to teach them the different personas and to help them remember everything. It is to help them understand the empathy that we have. And yeah, so it doesn't matter which story I provide, Mm-mm. whichever one will work. That's right. And I would I would zero in on the one that is most powerful and can be most um, you can describe in the most amount of detail because that's those are, you know, and like when we hear stories, they live in our minds when we watch them. That's why the movie industry exists. Everything (laughs) out there in the world that is content related has some story form associated with it. One of the longest foreign longest um, living forms of communication was just stories. Right? And we have yes. an ability to identify with participants. Everybody has struggled at some point with math or has wanted to excel if they were in the A or B category, right? And everybody's mm-hmm. wanted to do. So they can, as long as they can identify with some part of that, which I'm guessing is probably the case, then a story could be the single most powerful way to instill all that great work that you've done, but in a relatively you know, short time span, because you don't need a lot of time to communicate a story really well. You just had to spend yeah. the time to communicate it really well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
No, I love that. I think uh, I'm almost imagining kind of this, this process where you first go through this story activity and then kind of depending on what they're interested in, you have these like hubs of resources so that they can like self serve and learn more about like, Oh, what, what's the process if they want to leave? What's the process if they want to extend or expand? And they can just like go on their own and self research that way. Instead of telling them, this is how you expand the, expand the account. hundred <laughs> percent. And that, that is a really great point because oftentimes that's the difference between, um, like in, if we were to take this analogy and look at uh, our engagement in a customer's context, if all we did was mm-hmm. solve the the problem of, oh, this is how you do this, or this is how you do this, and we completely miss the meeting them where they're at, we'd fail, right? Yep. And that's the same for any customer engagement period. If you ever solve just the thing they absolutely are either asking for or struggling with, and you don't understand any of the other context, you essentially failed and you might solve the question that day, but that is not, that does not work towards yeah. building long-term relationships. So in this case, we're saying understand the context, right? Meet this new mm-hmm. hire where they are, which is they have zero and they need to know the whole spring and, and be able to know what it's like to be inside the minds of these customers. And then mm-hmm. let them, you know, navigate to the things that are going to be most relevant because frankly, 90% of the other stuff that the CS team does has zero relevance to that individual <laughs> in their role. However, mm-hmm. that empathy piece has 100% relevance, and that's where we should focus from uh, getting somebody up to speed and, and bringing them up to the level that you and the rest of the organization are after all the great work that you've done. Yeah, definitely agree. And I think, I mean, I'm just like, the gears are really rolling over here. And I'm even thinking, you know, after the activity, I should put something in between, actually. It's like, you want more, you want uh, more things like this, check out, and then you can add the, wherever you put your voice to the customer um, sort of thing so that it's continuously updated. And then you have your resources if they want to dive into anything in particular. Yeah, I like that. Love that. It's this continued integration, right? So this, exactly. you start with the most important. We do the 80-20 and 95-5 up there, right, to get that initial mm-hmm. piece. And then there's lots of other ways to work it in. But if we know that if we get that and nail that in the first, you know, whatever week that they're on board with the company, their chance for one truly grabbing hold or is significantly greater, as well as just understanding how the rest of the world inside of Yup works with that context now. Yeah. Because out of the context, it's going to be kind of hard. Be like, why do all these people keep talking about empathy? I don't get it. It doesn't make sense. But then once they see that and they understood that and they've heard the story, and this is a story that your CEO shares and whatever, it just comes up as part of the culture. Then it just, you know, that you're immediately getting them up to speed as fast as possible without dumping a lot of information on them. Yep. Love it. Cool. That's exciting. I'm already like thinking of when to get started on this. Okay. Well, that's a good question. When would you like to get started on this? Well, right now, I think our next big hire is our some people in product so that'll be exciting um we're still in the recruiting phase for them and i'm sure i'm going to be helping with some of the hiring so i think once um once i finish my current big project i probably could start get started on that so that we can give it to the recruiter well the newly hired recruiter now how how newly was how newly was this recruiter hired just about a week ago yeah and pretty new is there an opportunity to test this out with them in a, in a manual form? doesn't have to be perfect by any means, but in some Yeah, form. definitely. I think this is also something that he'll be running, kind of running the onboarding process for future hires as well. So it's also like the perfect person to try it out on. Um, I've already gone like one-on-ones and like gave him the whole dump of information, but I think kind of showing him like, this is how we are thinking going forward. Um, that would be really useful he would really appreciate that and be like, oh, this is really helpful. I think you should add this. I'm really new. This is what I think. I think we can get some really good discussion started. And then he can add it to all the future hires and it's all be set. Look at that. We just we just saved you a massive amount of time from having to create this all on your own by partnering with somebody who's going to run this in the future and can um, take the seed of the idea from you and run with it because it's going to be a key part of their responsibility overall. The more they know about it, one, for their own success, it's great. But then for all the future hires that they're going to impact, 
and you get to provide one, the, just the kind of the framework and the structure and then, Mm -hmm. you know, be the expert, whatever, uh, person that gets consulted when things come up around this program to help continue to influence and see how it progresses. Love it. That's exciting. Good. (laughs) <laughs> so, um, this, the new hires there, you mentioned you already dumped a bunch of information on them in the last week. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> how, what, what is going to be your approach to going back to that person now with this different context and this different approach for going forward, what are you going to say to that person when you sit down and talk with them and, and want to share this idea? I think how I would frame it, this is just me thinking off the top of my head, is first I would frame it as a feedback discussion of like, okay, you just gone through this onboarding process. I know that I was not the main person designing it, but I would love feedback on the customer success portion of it. Like how could I have better um, provided a, a lens into the customer experience and what customer success works on for you and kind of hear him out a little bit, learn a little bit more about what worked, what didn't work, what he was really interested in, but didn't get answers for. And then kind of bring up this topic of, Hey, actually we have what I, what would be really cool is that we add this kind of new activity, new story to every single new hire coming in. And this is to better frame, you know, what's the most important thing about customer success and then letting them know how they can get more information later down the line and framing it that way, kind of get his feedback on what he likes, what he doesn't like, what can work and how we can kind of the next steps from there. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Sounds like a good a good plan. And when do you plan on meeting with him to have that debrief and then share the idea? I mean, given that's Monday, I maybe maybe squeeze it in this week, but um, who knows? Maybe it could be this week or next week for sure. Okay, good. So within, let's just say within two weeks for sure, that yeah. you'll have a meeting with the new recruiter, get their feedback on the onboarding piece that they went through, specifically the CS portion, and then share your idea on how to... Um, bring story into the very beginning to really get people um, engaged with the empathy side and how to then get his ideas and collaborate with him on how to build that into the process and all things. So everybody who comes on board can get to the level of empathy as quickly as possible where you and the rest of the org are. Exactly. That sounds like a wonderful approach. Cool. All right. So Jennifer, um, what are you going to take away from this conversation today? I'm going to take away that, you know, one, it is exciting. It's an exciting challenge when you do have more people joining your team, both on the CS side as well as the non-CS side. Um, I think, what I think if anything, I take away something that I've been telling my team all the time is, um, but now I have to take it a level higher. I tell my team all the time that they need to put themselves in the customer's shoes when they're dealing with problems. And now kind of today I presented this challenge and in some sense your answer was, well, kind of apply that same process put yourselves in the new hire's shoes and what would you what would you do what's the most important thing for them to learn what are they really asking what challenges do they see what um what maybe what may pique their interest in the future and answer that and and through that process we kind of created this kind of um really fun activity where they can learn more about one specific case learn more about what empathy means at my company here at yup and then kind of go from there. That's really wonderful. Yeah, that's my takeaway. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. Thank you for sharing. Um, it's really interesting because it's it's easier said than done, right? Putting yourself in somebody else's shoes. <laughs> yeah. You've lived this. You've literally helped to create the culture of empathy and putting you know the families first. But at the same time, it's really hard to do that when it's just yourself and you as the leader of customer success inside your company. Sometimes that can be a little challenge to do on your own, which is why having a conversation like this and having somebody else ask you the questions to dig into that and help you reflect and see that that situation with um, your new hire in a different department is really no different than the situation you have with a new customer, right? And you're Mm -hmm. ultimately, there's somebody who has a different set of context and coming from a completely different place and you have to meet them where they are and then take mm-hmm. them on a prescribed journey because you're the expert and you know where they need to go. So when we take that and when you can talk through this with an outside, you know, typically an outside person, then we can have all kinds of revelations. And I love that the gears were turning and wheels were moving 
and you have immediate action items that in the next two weeks you're going to put this in place and now you get to have a um a more uh, our original piece was around the growing and scaling of you and this team knowing that you couldn't do these things one-on-one -on -one. and now you have a program to start which can be run by another person but you have the idea in the seat and that's really just amazing love it this is awesome Fantastic. Cool. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, would love to keep in touch. And would you mind dropping me a line in a couple of weeks after you have that conversation with your recruiter and let me know how it goes? Sure thing. Okay. Awesome. Take care. Have a great one. All right. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Cheers. There you have it. Another great episode of the Customer Strategy Podcast. What you've just heard is representative of what I do all day, every day work with my clients to help them through the biggest customer strategy challenges that they face. If you'd like to get this kind of help in your business, the next step is to apply to work with me. The process is very simple. All you need to do is go to glide, G-L-I-D-E, consulting, LLC.com forward slash apply. You'll be asked to answer a series of questions. And these questions are really designed to help me understand if I can help you and if we're a good fit to work together. After that, we'll get on the phone and have a conversation and talk about what I envision is the game plan to work for you. From there, you can either take that information and run with it, or we can talk about working together to put that plan into action. Again, the link is glideconsultingllc.com forward slash apply. Go ahead and do that now, and I look forward to the opportunity to work with you. If you'd like to get more information about how to build or improve the customer strategy in your business, you can download my free customer strategy method blueprint by going to glideconsultingllc.com forward slash blueprint. Simply enter your information, get immediate access to the blueprint, and receive a step-by-step -step guide to the most important areas that you have to cover. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show, I'd love the opportunity to speak with you and help you work through some of the biggest challenges you face when it comes to your customer strategy. In order to be a guest, simply go to glideconsultingllc.com forward slash guest. Fill out a few questions to provide us with some context and we'll get you on the list. I look forward to having the opportunity to speak with you in the future. Until the next episode, this is Nils Vinya signing off and reminding you to serve your customers with passion.